So I went from being Little Miss Runner burning bucket loads of calories to Little Miss Tai Chi not burning very many calories at all. Uh, and my eating remained identical across that period and my clothes got looser and looser and it completely fried my brain. You're listening to the High Performance Health Podcast, helping you optimize your health, performance and longevity. My name is Angela Foster and I'm a former corporate lawyer and high performance health coach. Each week I bring you cutting edge biohacks, inspiring insights and high performance habits to unlock optimal health, performance and longevity. So excited that you've chosen to join me today. Now let's dive in. Hi friends, one of the things that happens to women in their 40s and their early 50s quite commonly is a situation where they become accidentally overweight Uh, and they find that they've gained weight and they're not really sure why, particularly weight around the abdominal area. One of the key causes of this, as you'll hear about um, in this clip that I'm sharing, is stress and hormonal health. And this is a bite-sized episode from a podcast that I did with Dr. Libby Weaver, which was all about balancing hormones, effortless weight loss and boosting energy. And in this little clip, you'll hear about how adrenaline and stress play a part in metabolism. If you'd like to listen to the full episode, it is episode 105 and we'll link to that in the top link in the show notes. But for now, enjoy this bite-sized clip. What have you found in relation to that and, and women's bodies and you know achieving that ideal body composition? Mm, so yes that experience changed my life I can see I mean I was I went when I was at university we were taught that the calorie equation was the only thing that influenced body shape and size and you get out and start working with people and you learn very quickly that that's not the case Uh, you meet people who are very good at restricting calories and they still don't lose any body fat they don't lose weight in fact sometimes it goes in the opposite direction so it was what I was noticing in my patients uh, that really led and, and also what I experienced when I went from running a minimum of an hour a day and I would have sworn to you it's fascinating to look back on because I would have sworn to you that I wasn't doing that for weight loss or weight management I was very content with my with my body but I can see now in hindsight I ran like that because it was so ingrained in me in my education that you had to exercise intensely to to maintain the way that you are to basically be able to eat and it's why I feel like well, it's one of, it used to be one of the drivers of my work. And it's certainly uh, one of the reasons I think that my work connects with women, because I think so many women still think like that. And it breaks my heart because they live in this world of, I feel like I've got to eat like a tiny little bird and I've got to exercise like a maniac to be able to maintain this or to be able to lose weight, whatever that they think their goal is. So that breaks my heart. And it was, so when I went from running over an hour a day uh, and then, as you say, got a job running, a health, working in a health retreat and I had to leave home very in the dark and get home in the dark. So I wasn't that obsessed that I was going to run at 3am uh, before I went to work. <laughs> and I started teaching Tai Chi, uh, which is essentially a moving meditation. You don't burn many, many calories when you're when you're doing Tai Chi. Uh, I did that for half an hour each morning with the guests and then would take the guests who hadn't exercised uh, in a really long time on what was called the easy walk. So it was 20 minutes on flat ground and I didn't break a sweat so my point is I went from being little miss runner burning bucket loads of calories to little miss tai chi not burning very many calories at all Uh, and my eating remained identical across that period and my clothes got looser and looser and it completely fried my brain and it was that experience coupled with what I was noticing in more of my patients that led me to go back to my geeky biochemistry textbooks with the question in my mind 
what leads the human body to get the message to burn fat and what leads the human body to get the message that it needs to store fat. And I put those answers into the first book I wrote, which is called Accidentally Overweight. And to date, I've found, and what I've written about in Accidentally Overweight, there are nine factors. Uh, and certainly our nervous system and our stress hormones play an enormous role in it. So let me just dive into that a little bit because I, I think it resonates for so many women and, uh, and, and what you're talking about when they feel like things have plateaued and now they've got to do two workouts a day and then that doesn't work either. Mm. So, uh, when, so there are three stages to the stress response. The first stage is when adrenaline is elevated. So that's very early on. You can equate it to a balloon popping or a car driving out in front of you and you suddenly have to slam on your brakes. So obviously we, know, we all know what adrenaline feels like. So if you think historically, so science suggests humans have been on the planet somewhere between 150 and 300,000 years. And it's only in the very, 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 very recent past that adrenaline has meant, for, for all of human history until the very recent past, adrenaline has always meant that our life is literally in danger. And it's only very recently that when we have adrenaline in our blood, it may not be from danger. Because what leads us to produce adrenaline these days, and some of your listeners are going to want to block their ears right now, what leads us to make adrenaline these days is caffeine. Yes, sorry, everyone. Uh, and it's our perceptions of pressure and urgency. And it's the way we unconsciously worry about maintaining the approval of others. So in other words, other, it's caffeine and primarily psychological stress rather than a, a threat to our life the way that it always has been. And so when we think about because it's coming from our psychology, because it's coming from the way that we think, it's constant. So we really are the first generation of people to have constantly, relentlessly elevated levels of adrenaline. And it changes our chemistry. So the first thing adrenaline is supposed to do is elevate our blood pressure or alter our blood pressure to prepare us to escape from the danger that the adrenaline is saying our body is in. The next thing that happens is our blood adrenaline will, will make sure that the blood supply that's normally so fantastic to our digestive system, it will make sure that it's diverted away from digestion to your periphery, to your arms and your legs, because good blood supply in your legs especially is going to allow you to run away from the danger that your body is getting the message that you're in. So digestion is compromised. And certainly down under in Australia and New Zealand, about one in five women have irritable bowel syndrome. Now, sure, food can play a role in that, absolutely, but so does the stress response. And it's very rarely looked at because we don't know how to look at our stress. We just think it's how life is now, which I want to round back to in a minute. Uh, and then the third thing that, that starts to happen when we have constantly elevated adrenaline levels is it starts to change the fuel that your body perceives is safe and appropriate for you to use. So in any given moment, the body is always making a decision whether to use glucose or fat as its fuel. We're always using a combination of both. But right now, is it 50-50 or is it 80% glucose and 20% fat? Or is it 70% fat and 30% glucose? So we're always in a ratio of using a certain percentage of those two fuels. And when we have elevated adrenaline, because your body's getting the message, your life is in danger, it needs to have available to it a fast burning fuel. And so out of glucose and fat, take a wild guess, which is your fast burning fuel? It's glucose. 
And so, so many people start, their, they their, their biochemistry is being told that glucose is their most effective fuel and they gradually start to lose the ability to use their body fat as fuel. So, because while ever you have high circulating levels of adrenaline, you're not gonna, your body doesn't want you to use your fat, it wants you to use your glucose. And then of course, later in the day, after you've had a morning of, you know, bucket loads of caffeine and 600 unopened emails and you've run late for a handful of meetings. So there's all, and you feel like you're worrying about what your colleagues think of you. So you've got all of this adrenaline circulating in your body because you've burnt through gl primarily glucose across your morning, your glucose stores, we store glucose in the body and our liver and our muscles as glycogen, those stores start to drop. And so your desire for sweet food has to be switched on so that you can top up these escape from danger kind of fuels. And that's one reason I think why people find it trickier to say no to poor quality sweet food in the middle of the afternoon or after dinner, uh, because they've set themselves up for it with the stress response through the day. So that's stage one stress with elevated adrenaline. And then the other thing that that stage one stress does is it creates a whole lot of inflammatory compounds. So again, if we go back to the way humans have lived for most of our history on earth up until the recent past, because adrenaline was made in response to, for example, someone jumping out of the jungle at us with their spear. And in that moment we go, oh, and we've got a fight or flee. If you can imagine that the spike in adrenaline was just that, it was a spike. And as soon as the threat was over, our adrenaline level went back to baseline and we lived our life. We might've lived our life for three weeks before there was another threat. Whereas for people today, the adrenaline is, they wake up in the morning, hopefully we think of something we're grateful for, but then we think of everything we've got to get done that day. And we remember everything we didn't get done the day before. And now that's got to try and fit into today. And just with those first few thoughts, adrenaline levels start going up and then you get to work and there's all these unopened emails and you've got you know, a colleague ringing you saying, where's that work? I needed it yesterday, which I just want to pause on that point. When we get a phone call like that and a colleague says, where's that work? I needed it yesterday. We often don't hear what someone says. We hear what we think they meant. Mm -hmm. So all the colleague has done is ask for work, but we will usually create a story in our mind. Oh, my colleague thinks I'm lazy. My colleague thinks I'm inefficient or not hardworking or my colleague thinks I don't value my job. So we, in other words, we perceive some form of disapproval. I hope today's episode inspired you on your journey to vibrant health and high performance. Make sure you check out the show notes for a summary of all the important links to everything we talked about. And if you enjoyed this episode, hit the follow button and share it with a friend on social media or leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. Remember, achieving high performance health is about getting 1% better each day. So think about one thing you learned from today's episode and start implementing it today. Share with me what you've learned on social media over at Angela S. Foster. I love hearing from you and connecting with you. Have a beautiful day and always remember you are worthy of your dreams. Mm -hmm.